Welcome to The Approach Shot, the golf show that's more laughs than links, more stories than strokes, more guffaws than golfers. Here are the hosts of The Approach Shot, John Ashton and Neil Michaels. She has introduced us officially, so it's up to us now to continue. We are here. I mean, if she's going to introduce us, we should do something. That's right. Now, she said John Ashton and Neil Michaels, so I'm John. I'm Neil. We're the approach shot. Yeah, so here we are. It's the most wonderful time. Oh, shut up. Year. Shut da, 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 up. You all have my permission to tune him out now. Thank you. <laughs> if only they could just tune me out and just listen to you. I'm sure we would have a lot more listeners. <laughs> Are you humbugging me? Is that what you're doing, John? Ashton? I am humbugging you. Listen, Why are I, you humbugging me? I was the morning guy at the big adult contemporary radio station and program director had this marvelous idea. Yeah. Hey, why don't we play Christmas music exclusively starting the day after Thanksgiving? Is that why you're so like this? Yes. So if I never hear another Christmas song again, it will be too soon. Listen, dude, when I when I was at WYRE in Annapolis, I was the only Jewish person on staff. And so they kind of came to me sheepishly and said, would you mind being <laughs> the guy who plays Christmas music all day on Christmas Day? Since you got nothing so, better to do anyhow. Exactly. That was the, the implication. Yeah. Yeah. So you're asking me to come in at six and spin Christmas music until the sun goes down at you know 5 p.m whatever it was right and just me so the rest of you can celebrate christmas to all my jewish brothers and sisters so i negotiated to get double time <laughs> <laughs> and i said heck yeah i got nothing else going on you all enjoy give me that money 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 ka-ching <laughs> so i did i feel not quite as as grinchy as you do and it was that was the first year of 11. Oh my. It is weird that they start on Black Friday and do mm-hmm. it for 30 days because by time the 20th of Christmas comes along, I, I just need something else. Well, that same station uh, for the past few years has started on the 1st of November. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Now, I do remember the ratings went through the roof. Yeah, they do. Well, I have something to wipe the grinchiness off your face at the end of today's show. Mm -hmm. So we're, 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 we're chatting now and we've got a, a great guest coming up that we'll be talking with. And then after our guest leaves, Mm -hmm. I have secured us a cool as hell. John Ashton is going to want one gift for giveaway for our listeners for the holidays look at your face so so look um, at your face i'm thinking well i'm just i'm 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 plotting here <laughs> i bet you are uh can john can, ashton can, cool can the other host john win? ashton is going to want one uh-huh. yet we're giving it to somebody else that's true how does that work that works that you and i get paid elsewhere and the listeners are getting it for being uh, loyal to us. We'll see. Hmm. If when I go through the entries, I see your name or oh, Michelle's oh, you, name or you anybody. Won't, you is, won't see my name. I guarantee it. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll bet that's true. I'll bet that's true. Yeah, but I got your address too there, buddy. <laughs> so... Uh, I invite everybody to hang around, listen to our incredible guest for today, and then stick around afterward because I will give you all the details on what the prize is and how you go about entering our little contest. Okay. That sounds cool. In the meantime, yes. I'm going to go take a uh, a master class in spycraft. Ah, <laughs> I wonder who would teach that. James uh, Bond or something. Uh, maybe maybe Tom um, Clancy. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Masterclass because here's the other thing. Obviously, mm-hmm. if you've been listening for the last few weeks, you know that they're a new sponsor of ours. And so we get into it when we've got a sponsor. We really love when, when these guys come on, but especially when it's something that fits our personalities so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
if you don't know this about John, he is a learning machine. So the idea that he's taking an acting class with Helen Mirra should surprise no one. <laughs> but I did a little research and some of the other people who are masterclass professors that I didn't know about because I dug only so deep, mm -hmm. they've added Melinda Gates. She's Oof. teaching a class in impactful giving, which for this time of year is a very cool thing. So instead of just buying somebody a cup of coffee at Starbucks behind you, mm -hmm. you know, if you're going to give yeah. money, do it in a way that's actually going to help. And she also teaching negotiating prenups. I, you'd have to ask her. No, okay. I don't know. Here's what I don't want anybody who knows my children to tell them. I've decided to get them a masterclass. Because my daughter is a singer-songwriter, and John Legend teaches a master class in songwriting. And my son, who you know does voice acting, there are also voiceover instructors. And mm -hmm. so I'm going to get him a master class. And I was going to buy them two, but I seem to recall you told me I wouldn't have to do that. No. I mean, if you just pay attention to your own commercials, you would know once you buy one yeah. for yourself, you get one to give. So I you like could that. buy one for daughter, give one to son or vice versa. Yeah. Or buy one, another one for yourself, buy two for yourself and give two. I mean, the permutations and the combinations are extensive. You know, I see that James Patterson, who is my favorite author, is teaching a class in writing Aaron Sorkin is teaching a class in screenwriting. Gordon Ramsay is teaching a class in cooking. When we're talking about a, teaching a class, we're not talking about you having to like carve out at 10 o'clock on Tuesday, I can't make it. But these are pre-recorded. So you yeah. watch them and attend them at your own pace. At your own pace. Yeah, It's not a Tuesdays and Thursdays at 10 to 1030 type of deal. It's, it's at your convenience, at your leisure. At my leisure. So so um, you know I like a deal. So tell me how I get this buy one, get one thing you're talking about. How do you get the buy one, get one three, free thing I was talking about? John, give me a deal because you know I like me a deal. <laughs> I can get it for you wholesale. You, <laughs> you, go, you go to masterclass.com slash approach. Yeah. And you buy a membership and you will get two, 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 two memberships in one. That's right. Masterclass.com slash approach. All right. Let me and say what it I know again for the slow ones in the audience. Masterclass.com slash approach. And these are $120 a year or $10 a month. Can you believe that? Yeah. And the silly thing about that is it's less than a price of a pizza per month yeah. to have Helen Mirren, James Patterson. John Legend, Gordon Ramsay, Melinda Gates teach you. Yeah. Yeah. Craziness. Like, like you know, yeah, yeah. My friend Melinda, she's, yeah. she's, she's showing me how to do I this. Was, I was oh, doing this and I took yeah. this class with Melinda Gates and this is what she taught me. Oh my yeah. gosh. Can you imagine being at a Christmas party and talking like that and having I people was, be like, Ooh. I was talking to Melinda last week. I was talking to Helen Mirren just yesterday. Holiday right, season is upon us and you need to give probably the most exclusive gift anybody on your list is ever going to get. Just go yep. to masterclass.com slash, slash approach and you can get two memberships for the price of one. And it's 120 bucks a year, 10 bucks a month. Masterclass.com slash approach. Offer terms apply. Do it. All right. Coming up, our guest this week played for 10 seasons in the NFL, 11 total if you include the year he played in the USFL. He was also a contestant on season 22 of Survivor. Now, I don't are you a Survivor fan? Uh, yeah, we watch like crazy. We ever since my wife and I got together 10 years ago, so 20 mm -hmm. seasons ago, we watch and I talk to the TV all the time and I tell people how stupid they are or how clever they are or this person is going to be voted out or that person ought to be doing things. She leaves the room sometimes, comes back and says, are you talking to the TV? And I'm like, Survivor's on. So yes, of uh, course I'm talking to the TV. Steve Wright will talk NFL, will talk Survivor, and we'll talk about his new book when we come back. Don't you move. 
Every day, our brave military men and women, along with their families, make tremendous sacrifices for our freedom. Patriotic Hearts, a nonprofit organization, is dedicated to supporting these heroes and their families in their times of need. By donating your unwanted card to Patriotic Hearts, you'll be supporting job transition and job fair programs, veteran entrepreneurship, counseling, and retreats for combat veterans and their spouses. Call 800-441-9109. You'll receive a tax deduction and we'll arrange a free pickup at your convenience. Imagine the difference you can make in the lives of those who have given so much for our country. Your car donation will directly impact military families, veterans, providing them with the support they desperately need. Call 800-441-9109. You can become a part of something bigger. Join us in our mission to uplift and honor our military community. Call 800-441-9109 to donate your unwanted car to Patriotic Hearts. We asked you to stick around. Obviously, you have. We are back. You are back. I'm John Ashton. I'm Neil Michaels. And as we told you, we have one of the most interesting guests we've ever had. Because Steve Wright, you have done so many things in your life that if we had six sections, we couldn't cover all of it. Uh Welcome to The Approach Shot. Thank you very much. I appreciate that introduction. Yeah, just a uh, life well lived. Um, I had to tell the story about it. We should call the book Life Well Lived. Well, that'll be the next book. Well, I'm one and done. Let's talk about you a little bit for people who are like Steve Wright. Steve Wright, I know the name. Steve played in the NFL for 10 years in the NFL, 13-year career overall, attended Wyzata High School where you were an All-American in shot put and discus throw. And I'm going to tell you this, Steve. You're not the first person who played offensive line and put the shot that we've had on the air. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Usually big, strong guys. Randy Cross also did that. Oh, and wow. we thought that was really cool. Um, you signed with the Cowboys in 1981. And I have, have, have been a Cowboy fan my whole life. As an undrafted free agent, that same year, there was another undrafted free agent that the Cowboys signed in 1981. Um, Everson Walls, ever heard the name? I got a great story about him in the book. Oh, yeah? I got a few good stories about him. Okay, we'll get we'll get back to that because we are open to your stories. You played on the offensive line that blocked for Tony Dorsett when he had his record-setting 99-yard touchdown run, the longest in history from scrimmage, which was tied by Derek Henry later on. You were a backup to all pro Kurt Peterson, and you were traded to the Colts where you replaced an injured Chris Hinton, who is a seven-time pro bowler. Kurt Peterson was also a pro bowler. What is it with you that you only back up pro bowlers? Not big shoes to step into or anything, right, Steve? It's, it's just the it's it's the big leagues. I mean, everybody's good. There's there there was no break. I jumped in and the Colts and took uh, Chris Hinton's place, and I was yeah. over left tackle. And my first competition was against Lawrence Taylor. Welcome there to was, the NFL, kid. <laughs> there was just never a break. Yeah, I got introduced to the NFL when I was with the Cowboys with Jack Youngblood in the third quarter here in uh, L.A. In, at uh, Anaheim Stadium. I got two. I got two holding calls. <laughs> nice. Congratulations. Yes. Hey, you know what? Your quarterback didn't die. <laughs> he didn't. I was I was choking him. I had a hold of us. It was Adam's apple. And it was he could get away with almost murder then. And I guess I was going overboard, so they threw a flag at me. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you played for the Raiders, where you spent a lot of your career. And and again, you replaced Bruce Wilkerson, who, you know, was only a Super Bowl champion, right? Tackle. So again, stepping into big shoes. Yeah. When you look back, are you a Raider? Yes, Raider. I'm a Raider all the way. Raiders, uh, it is It is true. It's once a Raider, always a Raider. And I was just up there. They just flew me back, my wife and I, paid for everything. Um, hotel at the M Hotel and and doing the suites and paying for that. And then the, uh, the alumni, uh, annual alumni uh, group that we bring back is probably a couple hundred guys every year. They just really take care of their own. The other two teams have just, uh, they haven't called about anything. Um, <laughs> I, did, I did go back. I did go back. I shouldn't say that so quickly. I did go back for the 40th reunion of the Colts, moving from in, from Baltimore to Indianapolis, which I was a part of. So was I. I lived in Baltimore at the time. <laughs> did you? Yeah. 
<laughs> Nothing it, like it. It was a smart move for Ursays just to get out of town and get out of town fast in the cover of the night, I believe. You know, to yeah. go from nobody in the stadium, 20%, 30% filled, to a packed house and paying $1 a rent for 10 years. Yeah. You, yeah. you know, that it's so interesting that you say that because as somebody who has lived now, and, and I know John's going to jump on this, in Baltimore when the Ravens left and in San Diego when the Chargers left, a lot of the fan base complains about it. And, you know, oh, they took the team, those those SOBs, you know, they, they're all they're only about money and they don't care about the fans. And yet in both cases, you could either buy a ticket the day of or or the stadium wasn't even full and they moved to places where the stadiums are always full. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, a little bit of you should point your finger at yourselves. It's a yeah, it's it's a big business, you know, and and I learned early on. And I talk about it. I was I was I learned quickly. I was a product. And so you got to take care of yourself. And I'm going to hang in there. Team, 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 team. But when it comes down to the to making a decision, if I come across the line there in 87 with the Raiders, I talk about it in my book. You know, it's, it was a decision I had to make for myself. There is something about the Raiders and the Vegas Raiders. that just seemed to mesh. I mean, the, the attitude the, from the city of the team, they just seem to be in the right places now. Yeah, they, they, really, they really are, and they're getting a ton of support. They've just got to support all their fans with some increased wins. It's, yeah. it's really, uh, really tough to see the continual struggles. Um, when I was with the team, I, I didn't really realize this until I started writing my book, but the seven years I was with the Raiders, we were just under 500%. Wow. You know, I went through three head coaches. Yeah, they're having they're having head coaching problems there now. It's uh, mm-hmm. I think I think it comes down to looking at the uh, the scouts and um, you know who they're picking up and yeah, it's just what a, I'd, I'd hate to be a CFO of of a major league sports team trying to manage these guarantee contracts where a guy's in and out and you got to pay him for the next six years or something. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a it's a nasty business. Well, maybe if they didn't skimp on that new stadium so much. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's talk about your book. Uh, we were going to talk about this in the second section, but let's talk about the book. The book is aggressively human. And the thing that I find incredible about it is it works kind of into what happened with you on Survivor as well, which is you're trained to be this animal, this machine when you play football. And yet, Somewhere in there beats the heart of a real honest-to-God human being. And we've talked to a lot of football players on this show and a lot of baseball players on this show. And when you're done being that animal, when you're done being that person who's supposed to rip somebody else's head off, you got to come home and talk to your wife and your kids and deal with other parents and teachers and PTAs and all of this kind of thing. And it's got to be really hard because just like somebody who comes back from the military, you got to turn that off. Right. And there's no training in turning that off. Right. And that's, that's a, I mean, just to start at the micro level of coming into running back into the locker room after a game or after a loss or even a win. And then the doors open up and all the microphones come in. You still haven't quite caught your breath yet or put it all together of, you know, you're grabbing your buddies and you're jumping up and down or you're throwing your helmet against the locker and you're pissed because, you know, you lost and and then you got these microphones in your face and then trying to sound sensible and articulate a message. And if you don't, they're looking at you like, wow, that's a stupid dude, you know, or Uh what's so angry about or what a fool. And it's like, you know, have the press room someplace else. But then, yeah, you take it wider than you so then the game's over you've showered you've done your thing with the press you walk outside and everybody wants your autograph everybody wants to take a picture with you and you're still sweating you know for your you're, yeah. you're taking a shower but you're still sweating and now you're holding babies and everything else but yeah and then so the theme of it was that turning the the pendulum of of aggression and empathy and compassion and everything else and kind of laying it out to what society what society seems like these days, you know, if it's political or if it's COVID and masks or anything, there's, 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 there's no, there's no, there's no of this. It's over here. 
or it's over here. Yeah. We hate you for not wearing a mask. We hate you for, you know, and it's just the, the, the bigotry and just, it just seems crazy. And I think, you know, the media, it's not the media, it's, it's, it's social media and everything else. It just, it's, it's what people, I think, you know, if I put something out there man, they jump on, it, if it has something to do with, with one or other of those, it's uh it's just such a volatile time. And so I, I think the, the message in the book is, is good for the times. Yeah. And there's, it goes a lot beyond that. I I've seen some of the posts that you've put on social media and it is basically a call for calm. It's thinking about what you say before you say it, having a little bit of compassion for someone else because you don't know what their situation is. You don't know what know. they've just been through that I caused know. them to do a certain thing. I know. And I love that. But I think that that your book, um, and it's again, it's called Aggressively Human, would make a great, not only Christmas gift, but just a great read for everybody Thank just you. to calm the hell down a little bit and and recognize that other people are going through things just like you're going through things. And you hit it. You hit it right on the nail. We hit it right on the head. Yeah, I, I so agree with you. Yeah, it was the number one new release for sports memoirs and biographies last week. It's selling way hotter than I thought. Amazon's run out of the book twice. I'm getting flown back to uh, Greenville, North Carolina this next week to do a uh, book signing at an event with Dick Vermeil. And oh, nice. the group that's bringing me back ordered a hundred of them and he could only get 60 of them. Well, so wow. You can go to barnesandnoble.com and get the rest. <laughs> right author. Yeah, writeauthor.com. You can send it, you know, I, I'll be happy to personalize one for you. And I also the, uh, read the Audible, recorded that. And I, I'm really proud of that. That was a lot of work. It's a seven and a half hour listen. And it took me seven, I think, uh, four-hour sessions to get it down. Wow. So, but I'm super proud of it. And uh, yeah. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the book and your golf game and Survivor in, in a little bit here. I'm sure Steve will come back. Neil will come back. I'm planning on coming back. Y'all come back. You hear? Don't miss this year's hottest tour. Trans-Siberian Orchestra, live in concert. The Ghosts of Christmas Eve, the best of TSO and more. Coming to a city near you. Go to TSOtickets.com for info. A heartwarming tale of redemption, accompanied by TSO's electrifying music and visual effects. The ultimate rock holiday phenomenon. Trans-Siberian Orchestra, live in concert. The Ghosts of Christmas Eve, the best of TSO and more. A legendary blend of rock, classical, and holiday music for the entire family. Coming to a city near you. Go to TSOtickets.com for info. Don't miss Trans-Siberian Orchestras, The Ghosts of Christmas Eve, the best of TSO and more. See, I've come back. You've come back. We all come back. We are here again. The approach shot, one cohesive unit. I am John Ashton. I'm Neil Michaels, and you know how I knew you were coming back. Your coffee cup is still full. <laughs> <laughs> when the coffee cup is empty, the show's over. It's over. Steve Wright here. is with us, and you may recognize the face if you're watching on YouTube because you saw the face in season 22 of Survivor a lot, and you got into some stuff on Survivor. Now, Boston Rob was on your season. Did he win your season? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He, did. he won twice so far. I was down seeing Howie uh, Long down at uh, Fox Studio one Sunday morning. I go down and see him like once a year, and he and uh, Jimmy Johnson was on, on the uh, Survivor the year before. That's right. And he had as a guest in the green room the casting director for Survivor. After a couple hours spending with her, she talked me into uh, coming to the finals, the final selection that we're going to be going on in Santa Monica, really close to me within the next couple of weeks. So I went down there, tried out. Next thing I knew, I landed in Nicaragua for <laughs> the most miserable 31 days of my life. <laughs> uh, 
What what's entailed in trying out for Survivor? For one, you have to send in a three minute video of just you know something quirky, wacky, something that makes you stand out, look a little unusual. But the thing that's really interesting is they run you through a thousand question test to find mm-hmm. out your stability. We see anybody quitting the show, throwing up their hands and saying, I'm too hungry, or I don't like yeah. that guy or girl and I'm quitting. That just yeah. that doesn't happen. That's that's not the nature of anybody that's playing the game. The game is 100% real. I lost 33 pounds in 31 days. Whoa. And when I landed back in Los Angeles, I can't say too much what was going on in the game. I'm under a contract about this fat. <laughs> um, but I land, when I landed back in Los Angeles, I hadn't talked to my parents for two months. And my front tooth was just bugging me. So I went and saw my dentist before I flew over there. He took an x-ray and said, my Lord, he goes, I've never seen so much bacteria in, in anybody's mouth. He goes, we're going to pull that tooth right now. And I went, that's my front wow. tooth. What? Yeah. So he said, this kills people in third world countries. So he pulled that tooth out. And I just remember, I, I remember just the, the smell. And I was like, holy crap. Yeah. So I, so I go over to see my parents. I would, I, last time I saw them, I'm 250 pounds. Now I'm 219 pounds and missing a front tooth. I wasn't the sharpest looking dude. Um, <laughs> it was a, it was a great experience. Uh, one that I would never do again. They called mm-hmm. about two or three years later and asked me to come back and I hung up the phone. So <laughs> thanks, thanks, but no thanks, but I'm super proud of it. It was great. I didn't know anything about the show going into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of like the theme in my book is that there's an opening for something that sounds interesting. If it's a gut feeling of, wow, that's cool. I'm going to go full speed. I don't care what it is. I'm going to figure out in the way. That's how I started my business, my, my cloudburst business, or, you know, even diving into the Cowboys training camp with 120 other free agents and their first and third round draft pick that year were, were both linemen. There's no way in the world they were going to keep 11 linemen. So first time they ever kept 11 linemen. Wow. I just, I just gave it hell and couldn't stop. And yeah, ever since. Love that guy. Yeah, we went through it all together. So what you haven't said about Survivor is that you lasted until day 30. Yes. And these days, day 30 is the last day. Back then, it was day 36, 37. Yeah, I was like 30. I think it was like 38 or something, 39. You probably know more about it than I do. I, <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and if somebody wants to go back and watch, it was season 22. And it was uh, Survivor Redemption Island, and you were sent to the island, mm-hmm. and then it didn't end up working out, and you ended up going out on day thirty-one. But we're a member of the jury. Yeah, yeah. You all go to the jury. I was, I was the last one in my tribe, mm-hmm. um, and it was, uh, there was, it was, it was so awesome to, to to be voted out finally. I was, I was caving in. I was, the, they were actually kind of worried about me. You could see my spine count my mm. ribs. I was just shuffling. So Um, I know you said you can't talk about some things that are going on the show, but I haven't talked to a survivor person before. So I'm going to ask you, you could tell me to mind my own damn business, but after you get voted off, Mm -hmm. do you all stay at a hotel and are you fed at that point? He's wondering if he could. Yeah, I was going to say, do we, do we need to take a minute, call your attorney, see if you yeah, can answer that question? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can't go into that too much, but um, we're better off than the ones that are still living out on the uh, on the beach and, and in the jungle. We're, right. We're, People who come into the jury, we see that they're clean and they have regular clothes on. Right. Um, and yeah. they and they look better fed. Yeah, we have yeah. better water there. Because <laughs> we, we all drank, we all drank water that uh, gave us all the runs. It was, uh, oh, yeah, it was, it was miserable. I, I was, I won a contest to where myself and Philip, um, we had a, we had a mound of cheeseburgers in front of us, and we could eat as many as we could handle until, um, till the last contestant finished or the first contestant, or whatever it was. So we started eating and we had probably 30 hamburgers in front of us. And I ate a, maybe one and it was coming out the other end. I was, mm-hmm. it's just your body's freaking out. Yeah. Um, ice cold Coke to, to wash it down with. I had a half a, half a drink of that. And it was just, your, your body just can't handle it. So yeah, I've never understood when they, when they give you a food reward, yeah. the people who go straight for alcohol. 
you see them toasting, they're having a cold beer, they're having a glass of wine, and then they eat um, the things that you just know are terrible for you. Why you don't go straight for chicken and iced tea? Right. You know, the things protein and and something non-alcoholic. Because, you know, if you haven't had a drink for a while and your body has had nothing, to start with a glass of wine or a beer just seems dumb to me. Yeah, I think it's I think it's just to have a couple slugs of that and forget about what misery you're in. <laughs> <laughs> Do they even give you any any suggestions on how to prepare your, yourself? They did have a survivalist talk to us on, on okay. plants you should stay away from. We were, you know, I ate thousands of termites. They're the highest protein in the jungle. Mm. Got a little survival, um, just so you don't do something really stupid. Yeah. I heard you do an interview where somebody had asked you the obvious question, which was to compare your time on Survivor to your time on the NFL. Your answer was, in the NFL, they don't starve you, they feed you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you've got a comfortable place to sleep, and yeah, you you go to battle, but that's what you've grown up doing, and you can't wait to go to battle. Yeah, see, we're just deprived of everything. It's survivor. Yeah, it's, it's surviving. It's you're not sleeping at night. It was in the peak of the the rainy season in the Central Americas, and so every night out of the 31 nights I was there, it was probably dumped and not a rain and not a not a north american rain where it sprinkles on you it is coming down sheets and rivers are overflowing and mm. wish i could tell you stories about some of that yeah it was it was miserable so you just take cat naps during the day and try to just keep plugging along mm. all right I, I i know we've got a clock on to so that we don't run way over but i do want to hear the everson wall story that's in the book oh, yeah 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 um, because I've kept it, I've kept the name quiet in the book. Oh, whoops! Tell us the story about uh, wrongfully. I, I'm sorry, I teased you wrongfully because it's it's a it's a funny story, but it's uh, I didn't mention his name. Um, but it, you can figure it out in the book. I would John, think. we can edit, we can edit that, right? Yeah, we'll we'll take that part up. We'll yeah. take that part out. So uh, I'll, let me. Let me right. So he is me, not asking for the Everson Walls story. He's just yeah, asking. Okay. Yeah. So um, we were. Uh, he always had, you know, he had a he had a great rookie season, and everybody and I talk about in my book. We all had different ways to deal with our stress. Um, you know, some guys were drinking or whatever. Um, Everson walls and right our lockers were right next to each other and he'd always have a horde of reporters around him and they you know stepping over me and stepping on my feet and getting in my <laughs> way and i just kind of sit back in my locker and put my clothes on and everson uh, was talking to the reporters and he was trying to get dressed and taking his pants off and just the big bag of weed fell out of his pocket <laughs> right, right at his feet and right at the feet of all the media, I mean, all of them. And I'm looking at this bag of weed with all the media. It's the worst thing that could ever happen. So I threw, <laughs> so I threw my T-shirt. I took my T-shirt and threw it over the top of it. When they all left, I said, hey, hand me my shirt, will you? He pulled, he lifted it up. He goes, oh. <laughs> just about died. And we had the heartiest laugh. And it just, it just kind of... Um, it, it showed that we had each other's back on the field and off the field. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Guy. yeah. It just, you know, do anything to protect him and, and, uh, except for talk about it here on, on, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're on your own, Everson. <laughs> when you read the book, Aggressively Human, and you see that story, pretend you have no idea who he's talking about. <laughs> that, that would, that would be great. Indeed. All right, Steve, we've been nice to you. We love you. We think this is, it's great to have you, but we got a six pack. We got to throw at you here. And yeah, we're going to treat you the same way we treat everybody else. Yeah. No, no special uh, attention okay. here, man. And we'll be right back and we'll do that to, to you, for you, with you. With you. However you want to look at it. The approach shot. We'll be right back. Don't move. Okay. Have you ever tried to buy gold and silver and felt like you were talking to a used car salesman? 
That's because the precious metals industry is like the Wild West. Salesmen can say pretty much anything or make any promise they want without repercussion. But Genesis Gold Group is different. They're a faith-driven Christian precious metals company and believe in educating their customers, not pressuring them for a quick sale. Genesis Gold Group focuses on customer service, not sleazy marketing. Genesis Gold Group is named after the first book of the Bible for a reason. Proper stewardship of wealth is their specialty. Find out why they've earned a 5 out of 5 rating through the Better Business Bureau and how they can help you secure your wealth or retirement through physical precious metals. Call right now to learn more. 800-239-6987. That's 800-239-6987. With much fear and trepidation, we are back. The Approach Shot. I'm John Ashton. I'm Neil Michaels. Just off microphone a minute ago, in between. Steve's going, yeah, I'll love it. Uh Uh-huh, sure, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on, you're going to love this. It's a six-pack for you. It's a six-pack of questions that we put together, and we ask you to give us your very first thought. First answer that comes to mind. You you good with that? Sure. Sure. I guess so. I'm on. Let's do it. Exactly. We've already dug yourself a hole. Let's dig it a little deeper. (laughs) Question one for Steve Wright. You lasted 31 days on Survivor Redemption Island after eating rice for weeks and only rice. What one food were you craving? My father's popcorn. Mm. That was not the answer I expected (laughs) at all. Burger pizza i was raised on popcorn and nobody made popcorn like my dad with the butter and salt you were craving salt you were just depleted of it uh, we would boil water i can't go into all that stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> but here's the funny part the great part about podcasts or anything if the hosts are paying attention you just told us the story about coming back losing 31 uh, 33 pounds and having your front tooth out and going seeing your folks yeah. did he make you popcorn oh my gosh yeah I made some. I made some last night. Yeah, I'm a popcorn hound. I think we could brand what he gave you that day. Pity popcorn. I used to drive. I used to drive home from writers' practice in uh, Manhattan Beach and drive past a movie theater, pull up to it, and go in and grab a big bucket of popcorn. This is what I'm single, and take it home and eat a bucket of popcorn. That's so much I love. I'm surprised you're not still single. Question two, when Aggressively Human came out, whose positive review really blew your mind? Gosh, uh, everybody's. um, Everybody, it's just they've all been five stars. um, Who, um, Howie Long. Howie Hmm. Long. Howie Long, who's quoted, his his, uh, review was actually on the book. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Loved it. He He couldn't believe how honest I was. Yeah. He goes, well, he goes, he goes, he goes, I could never do something like that. Mm. It, was, uh, it, it was fun exposing myself and, and my wife, she might see the writer and mm-hmm. the author. She just said, we're going to dump it all out. If we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. Very cool. <laughs> Pardon the pun. Um, <laughs> the thing that, that I was amazed by when I read the reviews by other authors and by publishers was they were consistent. Everybody said, oh, my gosh, he left it all out there. Yeah. You really did expose every little bit of your humanity. Yeah. And yeah, and I also got rid of the macho thing. There's not too many guys that write about a girl leaving them. You know, yeah. one of the cheerleaders that I was, I was starting the date. No guy's going to write about that. Or getting my ass kicked in, in, in Kansas City when Bill Moss gave me an uppercut and blew my mouth apart. It's all real. You know, it's. Um, yeah, there's quite a few other things too. I just really was honest and self-deprecating, and it's that's kind of is my personality. It's uh, it's I'm not better than anybody else. I've got all my flaws and and blunders and everything else. So yeah, it was, it was fun laying it out there. I'm just super proud of the book. Yeah, you should be. I, I again, everything that I have seen and read so far, and I'm in the midst of reading it, is mind blowing. It, it's thank you. It, it takes not only the machoism away, but yeah. it makes guys who have always felt like 
they weren't good enough because they weren't macho enough right. and shows them that you can be a great human being without having to have be right on you thank you yep question three and I will be your publicist at some point going on. Uh, in, in 1989, we talked about this. You were signed as an undrafted free agent with the Cowboys, and the Cowboys lost in the 1982 NFC Championship game to the 49ers, 28-27, to in the game that featured Dwight Clark's incredible catch, later named The Catch. You were on the sideline for that game. What was the reaction of the bench? What was everyone's reaction? Um, Denny Spradlin, another rookie, uh, fifth-round draft pick from Tennessee, he and I were holding on to each other, hugging each other, kind of jumping up and down because we could see the play was broken and and the defense, uh, Ed Jones, Tutal Jones, and Randy White were putting the pressure and running towards us, and Montana was running towards us. Montana threw that ball five yards away from us. And so we saw that it was gonna, it was going out, it's going over into the bleachers. And all of a sudden these hands came out of nowhere and grabbed it. And it just the ref threw his arms up, and we were absolutely crushed. I mean, absolutely crushed. And then people started pouring onto the field and it uh it got pretty scary. Um, but you no, know, the team, you know, rookie year going, I was 40 seconds away from going to the Super Bowl. It, it was tough. It tore my heart out, but it was, you know, the first of, of many close ones. Thank you for sharing that. That was great. That yeah. that that really did sort of put us on the sideline with you. Question four, the approach shot golf cart just pulled up and you get to play in a foursome with anyone that has been important to you in your life. What other three people are jumping in the cart with you? Uh, Mike Ditka, kind of my father. <laughs> I'd almost say my grandfather as well. They were just uh, rocks, and those two guys were rocks in my life. And I, I talk about it a lot. That's where I got a lot of my compassion and my empathy. And then uh, <laughs> to the other side, as a rookie, I was on all the special teams with the Cowboys, and Mike Dicka was my special teams coach. And <laughs> it's just I mentioned him three or four times throughout the book. He was just a great mentor to me. For some reason, really loved me. I think my hustle and hard work and never say die. But he'd throw his arm up around my neck and pull me out of the line when we were doing one-on-one drills. And he would take me for, let's go for a walk. I called them little wisdom walks. Where, <laughs> you know, my, my coach, he'd grab me and say, you know, you're, you know, Jim's screaming at you, driving you crazy, isn't it? Jim Myers with my offensive line goes, yeah, trying as hard as I can. I say, Steve, everybody here is is got the physical tools to do to um or they wouldn't be here everybody's got the physical tools this is what's going to change you from here up deal with it and also with jim if he's he's driving you crazy with the yelling if he stops yelling at you that's when they worry you know yeah. he's yelling at me just putting a whip to me yeah he's yelling because he loves you he's yelling at me because he loves me yeah. and he, wants to push me and he wanted to see if he could break you too he told me years later that he called it putting a whip to a, a racehorse or a donkey you know what are they mm-hmm. going to do are you going to sit down are you going to push back and and make excuses or are you going to you know put the whip to you and just work harder and which i did and so when he was yelling at me i i'm smiling inside knowing that you know i'm, <laughs> I'm, right, I'm on the right track and i'm still in his favor there you go love it question five you are pretty well known for being a team player. So question five might be a little tough for you. Which would you prefer having won a Super Bowl during your career or to have aggressively human be number one on the New York Times bestseller list? <laughs> You're a killer. That's a good one. How'd you go for that one? Hmm. I think I I think I'd take the the number one bestseller. I think I'd take the number one bestseller. I was fortunate. I, I don't need a piece of jewelry. Um, I, I, yeah, I appreciate you pointing out the team thing. But I, like I've always said, with my Cloudburst company that I that I started, and I'm cooling the you know the NFL sidelines, and then later the Olympics, and I did this on my own, um, you know, creativity and hard work. Um, but it's it's I appreciate you pointing out the teamwork because I am a team guy. But now when you when you get a hold of something, you know, like my cloud burst, that was I'd take that almost over my eleven year career. Um, but the but the New York Times bestseller list would be 
would be huge. I'm working so hard. The writing of the story was was pretty easy. It's the marketing and the selling of the book once it's completed. So I'm working like crazy. I'm, and my wife's laughing at me. I'm like a 13-year-old girl sitting there just doing social media. <laughs> just non-stop. <laughs> just, I just... And it's actually not bad because I'm sitting in my comfort chair and I'm looking out at the ocean here with a Malibu. And so I'm actually spending probably five hours a day doing social media. And so any other help that you can do like you're doing, writeauthor.com, come to there and see all the blogs and everything else. So I'm, I would take that over a Super Bowl rank meal. See, do you see what he did there, John? He answered the question and promoted the book and promoted where you could get it at the same time. I'd oh, say you're doing pretty did well. I do that? Yeah. Did I do that? The, the man's a natural. He's good. He's really good. <laughs> I love that Lizzie's moved on to Marinovich. <laughs> All right. Question six, and this will be easy for you. We ask this of everybody who comes on the show. Since we are the approach shot, Steve Wright, in your approach to life, what one rule do you live by? I got a couple. Um Treat every treat everyone with compassion and empathy. Treat every treat everybody like the way you would like to be treated. Um, and then sneaking in another one is charge. Charge through opportunities. Don't overthink it. If you feel something in your gut and it feels right, keep this out of it. If it's a girl that you're want to date, but you, you just oh well, gosh, I don't know. you know my friends don't like her or whatever. Figure out if it touches your gut. And what I always say is that's something that's been developed in us over, a, you know, evolution over a million years. You know, there's this, this telling you something. So my thing is if there's an opportunity charge, um, which is the majority of my life, you won't get those opportunities. Again, I could have easily said no to survivor. I'm, let me think about it. And that opportunity would have been gone. Yeah. But, you know, I can always yeah. bail later, at least, at least start on the right path. Tony Robbins taught me that with walking on the burning coals. Um, I did that barefoot with him. It's just take that first step and charge. Just keep moving. That seems to be uh, not only a recurring theme during this interview, Steve, but a recurring theme throughout your life. Just yeah. seeing what you've done and how you've done it. It's, and you've done it quite well, too. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, that six pack was was uh, not nearly as scary as you made it sound. You handled it quite well. Um, you've mentioned Cloudburst a couple of times. Just for people who don't know, you actually created a company that was the first to provide NFL sidelines. The cooling when you see people sitting on the sidelines and when it's hot out and there's big fans and all this, the, the, all of the cooling comes from Cloudburst, and that is your company. And you also provided the cooling for the Olympics in 1996. Met a guy with Home Depot, at the, the president uh, at a golf tournament. He got me into his stores. I ended up getting into 15, over 1,500 Home Depots, Lowe's, Ooh. Targets, Costco's, Walmarts. Landed the 96 Summer Olympics. It was just an animal that kind of took on a life of its own. And that's those opportunities are out there for anybody. Having my first business meeting in my game uniform, I just walked back to the stands and these guys handed me their cards. I told them I'd call them the next few days. There's something there and you think that an opportunity, grab it. What were you doing at a golf tournament? I thought you didn't play golf, Steve. Yeah, well, I don't play anymore after I knocked a guy out at the Long Beach Grand Prix golf tournament. I'd been going there for six years. And the opening tee, the shotgun went off. I cranked one for our team and it stayed low and was smoking and disappeared into the trees. It just sounded like a coconut from 100 yards away. I, oh. I yelled four so loud, and everybody heard me, and this guy ducked, but it caught him right between the eyes. Oh, geez. This was on mm. the first tee? The first tee. It's, it's 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, How's the rest of your day? I think he, sp I think he spilled his beer and yeah. fell over, and all the people around him, and it turned out he was okay. He would not. He was not going to be taken off. They were going to call an ambulance for him. He said, no, I'm playing. The man <laughs> had a literal unicorn. On his head, mm. I read that in the, in the book as well. But um, you did, did at least buy him another beer, didn't you, Steve? Oh my God, I, I got him! I got him! I think four tickets for the next home game. I was so afraid I was going to get sued. I was dying, but yeah. Um, yeah, everything was cool. And so I just said, "Man, this game's not for me." I had played in so many of those celebrity golf tournaments, and 
those were fun. I, I did enjoy those, but golf was just a little slow for me. Yeah. One more thing. I, I'm good. I'm good for about five or six holes. And then I just, I'm like a golden retriever. I got to find something else to do. <laughs> it's hard to find somebody just to play for the other 12. Yeah. One other thing that I noticed that people haven't talked to you as much about as I believe they should is your work with global giving. Oh, sweet. Thank you. I think this is, this is a microcosm of your personality. The, the, the company gives gently used sports equipment to over a million children across 35 countries. Mm-hmm. How did that come about? And what are you, what are you doing with them now? Um, the founder, Mark Rollison is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And my wife knew him and jumped on his board of directors uh, at the early start is probably 12 years ago, at least. Um, and then, so I jumped in cause it's right up my alley with sports and everybody's got a garage full of, you know, they're growing out of their shoes or their bats getting old or they need a new ball glove or a hat or something. Heck, so, you can give them your golf clubs. Yeah. golf. <laughs> yeah, go, I don't know about golf clubs, um, but I, we did it with surfboards. We sent a bunch of surfboards to the Philippines. And, and then my wife and I traveled around the world about four years ago. Uh, we took a bunch of things, had a ship down to Tonga and nice. Samoa. And met the Peace Corps down there, who was going to be our partner for this delivery. And we scattered things around both islands over the course of about a month. Yeah, it's just really rewarding. And, you know, you see these kids running around and kicking a ball or kicking, you know, a roll of tape around, you know, and you give them a real soccer ball. And it's just uh, kind of gives you goosebumps just, you know, how the kids light up just over the simplest, littlest thing. And then jerseys. It's just they'll, they'll take anything. But globalgiving.org, and it's a play on words, it's B-A-L-L, globalgiving.org. Uh, great, great, great uh, foundation. I think that's everything we can squeeze in in the time that we have, though. We could talk to you for hours for things and some of the great stories that I'm sure are in the book. (laughs) And where can you find Where can you find that? Um, Not at Amazon. (laughs) (laughs) You can find it at come to writeauthor.com or, you know, Amazon. I think it's sold at, you know, and it's, it's at Walmart. Barnesandnoble.com or or, or the the official wherever books are sold. And it's right author, W-R as in his name, right author.com. All right. The book again is Aggressively Human. Steve, we have loved having you here. I'm going to go back and watch your season on Survivor just so I remember everything that that happened back then. But even more, I'm going to go out and and finish the book because uh, just loved everything about it. Awesome. Thank you so much, Neil and John. Really love the time. I appreciate it. It was great to have you here, man. Great to have you here. We we really enjoyed it, probably more than even you did. Uh, thank you, guys. That <laughs> and, means a lot to me. And remember when you're doing all that social media stuff, stretch your thumbs. Yes. Yeah, yeah. thumb exercise. Get away from it for a while. <laughs> You've been listening to The Approach Shot with the Weekend Golf Guys. If you like this week's episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you download your podcasts. And find us on the web at ApproachShot.net. <laughs>